And good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis and the really late Patty Fink. Um, here. I know you're late? here. Well, you, <laughs> I wasn't late. No, but she texted her usual R-A-L-L. Just running a little late. So I texted back, really? And I said R-R-A-L-L. <laughs> But she is here before the show started, so she gets credit for that. Um, Good. She check out this she week's. She didn't bring us any coffee, though. So no, she didn't. Just... she didn't. She <laughs> didn't. <laughs> check out this week's Dallas Voice. There's a story about our 40th anniversary, and I want to thank everybody who pledged on our pledge drive because yes. we made our goal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd still be doing it. Yes. Yeah. So, and instead, we have a great guest today. We do. Shelley Skeen, who's the Southwest Regional Director of Lambda Legal. Um, she used to be the senior staff attorney in the region for Lambda Legal. This is this is true. This is true. I'm still still working on cases, though. Are you really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, she's busy suing everybody around the state. <laughs> so you didn't escape trying to keep up with uh, your keeping your hand in the, the actual legal work and motions and filings and all the things. It's not. So I'm still on all of the Texas cases that I was working on. Um, and then I was working on gender-affirming health care, which I would like to call trans health care for trans kids in Oklahoma and some HIV cases and some other different cases. But right now I'm just going to stay focused on our cases against Governor Abbott here, and that makes me happy because I'm, ha I'm happy to, to kind of show him how the law really works. <laughs> okay, now our poor governor, you're suing him for what? Uh, we are suing, well, we're suing him for... Let's see, P Flag versus Abbott, which is our case from a couple of years ago, where the governor said that CPS should start going in and investigating families who provide health care for their trans kids, which we know is medically necessary, scientifically proven, and often life saving medical care. And it's the exact same medical care that a kid who might need a push to get through puberty, so a young man who's not starting puberty quite quickly enough, he might get hormone treatment, right? Or, for example, a young woman who has endometriosis, she might need hormone blockers and or hormone therapy. Or starting her period very young. Right, or kids going through what they call precocious puberty. So all of those kids can get hormone therapy and they can get puberty blockers if that's what they need. Like a young man that has testicular cancer needs a puberty blocker to stop the hormones because that helps the cancer stop from growing. But it's only trans kids that can't get that same care. And they're adolescents, right? This is not seven, eight-year-olds. This is kids who are starting puberty or in puberty. And the whole thing about surgeries is a complete and whole misnomer. That doesn't happen. Or maybe a cut. Explain that for somebody who doesn't know what you're talking about. Sure. So, what you hear about is, and I'll use the big bad words that that you hear about is things like castration and and genital mutilation. Genital mutilation. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not happening. Right? It never has. So, for kids over the age of, usually, if there's going to be any kind of surgery. It's over the age of 18, so you've got a kid who's of consenting age. Every, every, every once in a while, 
very, very, very rarely if you have, and all of this is with a team of doctors, a team of mental health professionals, it's a long-term process. You might see one or two kids over the course of, if you looked at many years, who might at the age of 17 get some sort of surgery, but that's because of that particular kid's situation and what they need given on all of those factors that go into that. And that could be not just their gender dysphoria, it could be other things too. And when I say never, I mean the way the right pushes it. I literally heard some right-wing show saying that if his son, we'll just make up a name and say Jimmy, if Jimmy just came home and said, and said oh, daddy, I want to be a girl today, it's like, oh, okay, and I'll take him to the doctor the next day, and then he's getting his, his uh, and he used a really rash word, could cut off. That's what they put out there. That doesn't happen. It, it doesn't even begin to happen. It doesn't even right? begin to happen. It's not a thing. It's not it's, a it's, thing. It's, it's, not, it's not right. So, what they, so anytime a kid gets any kind of hormone treatment or uh, puberty blockers, that's a long-term process, right? They're going to go through mental health counseling. Then that mental health counselor is going to refer that kiddo to probably a pediatric endocrinologist. They're going to look at what that kid needs for that particular situation. They're going to work in conjunction with each other. And usually that's you know somewhere between an 8- and 12-month process before you ever even consider putting a kid on some sort of puberty blockers or hormone treatment. Sometimes it's longer than that. Right. Right. So it's 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 a group of professionals making a decision that's specific for this type of diagnosis, which is gender dysphoria, which is a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Right. And what it does is it saves kids lives. You know, the Trevor Project right did a study and I don't want to focus on on this piece of it because there's so many things that go into a suicide type of risk. But right. So Trevor Project 2022 National Survey looked at kids between the ages of 13 and 17. In our state, 56% of kids who identified as transgender attempted suicide. Let me go back. Seriously considered suicide. And 18% of them attempted suicide. That's almost, mm -hmm. that's almost one in four kids who have that type of a diagnosis. And so this type of health care stops them from killing themselves. So this is a matter of life and death, but it's a matter of life and death in making sure that that kid gets the care they need so that they can survive through their teens till they can become an adult and more fully live their life. And you see with gender affirming health care or trans health care for trans kids, the long-term effects, somebody in their 40s and 50s, they thrive throughout the course of their life if they can get that treatment when they're young. And if you were to talk to, a, um, let's say, a 25-year-old patient, um, a 25-year-old would have to go through years of counseling um, and hormone therapy, and they'd have to live in the gender that they um, identify as for a year before they can transition and have any surgeries. I mean, it's the same sort of thing for adults as well. This is not something that's taken lightly just or, 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 or just you know, willy-nilly like your example, Iran. You know, as kids or as adults. Right. <laughs> Even and adults don't overnight, oh, I think I'm a woman. I'm going to go have surgery. Right. Get it scheduled right away and, and go. It's a process. It's, it's, a, a, it's, and, it's a long process. And... <laughs> Let us not forget that a lot of trans people don't even, even adults, have no surgeries. Right. That's, right. that's not. Uh, Donna. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Right. 
right to live your life as you know the gender you identify with and it's also for those folks who do in conjunction with their doctors and their mental health professionals need some type of surgery right many times insurance doesn't cover it and it's expensive just like any surgery would mm -hmm. be and so people have to save money over time before they can ever even go access the type of that type of health care and usually and there's a few places in the country that do that you know and they've done peer-reviewed 50 years plus of studies that show that that is for those people that need it's particularized to the person that's what they need it works yeah so i, I we'll talk about some other cases around the country because this is you know it's not just here in texas um where these anti-health care um anti-trans uh, health care laws have been um passed and coming into law, I think Idaho, a federal judge in Idaho, just blocked theirs. Um, am I correct about that? So that's a bathroom bill. That's the bathroom that's bill. A bathroom okay, bill. okay. That's a bathroom bill. But so that was your lawsuit too, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. So you're yeah. suing other governors. Oh, oh, yes, we are. We're, we're suing somewhere in Tennessee. No governors left behind. T Tennessee, Oklahoma, Missouri. Montana, Idaho, uh, ten yeah, did I say Tennessee? Kansas. We've got Alabama, Arkansas, we've got Florida, right? We're, wow. And it's not just on trans health care. It's on don't say gay. It's right. on the ability of people to be able to get identity documents that match who they are so that they can go get things like housing or a bank account or get paid through the federal government. I mean, this is basic stuff that everyone should have access to, but that LGBTQ people are not being able to access and then if you wrap on top of that someone who is black or brown or already living with a disability then if what they need is a house or what they need is health care or what they need is some sort of government assistance and they can't get it because of what we're seeing across the country then what are you doing you're hurting all of us i mean you are all of these laws that we're seeing are gonna have an effect on everyone, not just LGBTQ people. Absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, so uh, going back to trans healthcare in Texas uh, with the PFLAG uh, v. Abbott case, what are you actually suing for? So, so we have really three cases right now. We have PFLAG versus Abbott. We have Doe versus Abbott. Those are the older cases that are up before the Court of Appeals that we've won on at least for the purposes of injunctions to stop the governor from telling CPS and from CPS investigating families who have trans kids who provide that type of health care. And then the brand new lawsuit that we just filed is meant to stop SB 14, which is the bill that was passed by the legislature signed into law by the governor. It goes into effect on September the 1st. And what it does is it says that any doctor that provides health care for trans kids, only trans kids, they can lose their medical license. It also says that any pharmacist, any nurse practitioner, any nurse, anyone who in the ordinary course of their business of doing health care would provide care that would trans-affirming health care for a young kid, they can't do that. So prescriptions, you're not going to be able to go to a pharmacy to get hormone treatment if the purpose of it is because you have a kiddo with gender dysphoria. So can't they prescribe it for something else? 
Well, right, you gotta you gotta take into consideration insurance companies and what they will and will not pay for, and if you can't have right. It's fraud, right? If you're gonna um, if what you're prescribing for is one thing, but what it really is is gender dysphoria, you know. But when you're prescribing something, you don't include the diagnosis in the prescription. You don't, right? Mm -hmm. But it's but here's what the the law says that the so doctors will lose their law. I mean, it is mandatory. It's not a we get to go up in front of the Texas Medical Board and they decide whether or not we get to keep our law license. It's mandatory. You sorry, medical, medical license. license. Mm -hmm. you, you lose your medical license, and then the attorney general can go if he has what's called reason to believe. He can walk into any county and any part of our state and file a lawsuit to stop that pharmacist, that nurse practitioner, that hospital, that medical practice from providing care that is geared towards affirming transgender kids. So, so, so you just named several key components in the medical profession, but does that include like doctors, nurse practitioners, the pharmacists, but does that also include maybe even the psychiatrists? Mental, well, if the, if the psychiatrists, and they're MDs, mm -hmm. right? And if they prescribe that type of medicine, or if they suggest that they say this kid needs this type of care, then they could lose their wow. License. So you can go talk to a psychiatrist, but that's it. And you can go talk to a uh, licensed professional counselor. So they haven't made talking illegal yet. Yet. Right. Right. That's still. That's you can still do that. So here's what happened in the case this week, by the way, right? So we had two days worth of hearings on Tuesday and Wednesday, all day. So the lawsuit's been brought by Lambda Legal, the ACLU of Texas, ACLU National, the Transgender Law Center. And so we had two full days of hearings where we had some of our plaintiffs. So we have doctor plaintiffs. We have a psychiatrist plaintiff. We have anonymous family plaintiffs. We have GLAMA. And we also have uh, another, um, should know right off the, oh, PFLAG, duh, PFLAG is one of our other plaintiffs. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what the judge does. The judge didn't rule at the end of the hearing, but we'll probably get a, uh, a ruling midweek next week. What kind of ruling? Like, what are the possibilities? So the, the goal of that hearing was to do what's called a temporary injunction, to stop the law from going into effect until you can hear the merits of the case. So what will happen, so just like we had in our PFLAG versus Abbott case and our Doe versus Abbott case, both of those cases, we got those temporary injunctions and those are pending on appeal. All of the briefing's been done. But in, and then you still have to hear the merits of did what the governor do, was it outside the bounds of his authority? The Texas Supreme Court already said it was and said that the Attorney General's opinion that led to the directive by the governor is not binding, right? Not binding on anyone. No Attorney General opinion has been binding since 1973. It's just a hypothetical, right? So, um, so that's one AG's opinion. Yeah. One Other AG's. <laughs> one impeached AG. Yeah, this, our particular one, yeah, is impeached. Right. Yeah. And we probably remember right after marriage equality, right? After Obergefell, the AG, Paxton, issued an opinion that basically said, well, clerks of counties, you can decide for yourself whether or not you're going to issue 
a marriage license. Well, that quickly got shot down by a federal court. Yeah, because he can't just decide that on his own. There's a thing called the Supremacy Clause in the Constitution <laughs> right. that says what the, you know, what the Supreme Court says is binding, and so, and that, that's binding on everybody, so he kind of forgot that. At that well, point. maybe he didn't know it. Well, you know, I think I think it depends on you know we we're not even sure if he knows who he is when he gets in an Uber right now, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was a little too much. Um, no, that was very good. I, I have a question about intersex kids because um, um, intersex people often are trans, mm-hmm. and but intersex kids. Um, if they have a, f- a physiological functional issue with whatever condition they have, they could need surgery. You know, they as even as infants to to be able to let's say pass urine. Right. Or if they their condition is such that they need a, a surgery. They could to, have a plumbing function, issue. Yeah. yeah. Could have, um, so do do those kids get to have their surgeries or or? Their treatments unencumbered by state law, um, and what about those kids that might be um, intersex and trans? So, couple thoughts. Um, number one is lots of times you hear the word trans to include also to include intersex folks. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so the way the law is written itself is intersex kids can have surgeries, and their parents can make that decision for them. Without their consent, so there's a car. Oh, without their consent, wow. Well, okay. I mean, if you're a baby, yeah. yeah, right. And so we're going to allow that, and there's no consent that a kid could provide. But there is a movement among intersex groups that, look, we we don't want doctors performing surgeries on us when we're babies. We are not consenting to that. We need to grow into our gender. And sometimes what you've seen in the past is, you know, they assign a kiddo a a sex, or say the kid's intersex, and they say, well, we're going to make you uh, a young, a woman, right, a a female. And that kid grows up and is like, well, I'm not that. I'm, you know, I'm a man. And so that's the real thing right now is that there's no reason, unless there's a plumbing issue, right, that has to be taken care of with... There's no reason to do a surgery on a kid right now. Let them exactly. grow in and decide. And the, there is a lot of problems with those types of surgeries if, you know, you're doing more than fixing up plumbing issues. So maybe uh-huh. uh, the trans com- or the uh, intersex community should say that they want that done automatically at birth, and then the Texas legislature will say no to that. <laughs> Going to coax them into, like, bait them into... Right. We need to take a break. We're talking to uh, Lambda Legal Southwest Regional Director Shelley Skeen, who's suing the pants off everybody around the country. Uh, And loving it. uh (laughs) And we're celebrating... We're still celebrating our 40th anniversary here at Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis and the precocious Patty Fink. We'll be back with more right after this. Mm -hmm. Hi, this is Patty Fink, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly, and uh, we're talking to Shelley Skeen, who's the Southwest Regional Director of Lambda Legal. Um, so is there any type of discrimination that the 
Texas legislature didn't address this session? Uh, That's like a pretty some, broad question. Something, something that one other state got and we just didn't get. Like we got the health care ban. Uh, we, we have the drag ban, and we'll talk about that. We had, well, we have, there were, so there were 144 anti-LGBTQ bills that were filed here in our state. So wow, it's more than I thought. So about, so when you say that, it's hard for me to answer that question because across the country there were about 594 bills, so 20% roughly, or 20% of them were filed right here in our state. Seven of them became laws. Um, so we, we're not the, we are kind of ground zero because more bills were filed in our state than any other state by multiples. And so I don't know that I can ac actually answer your question other than to say we're a testing ground, right? And, and so we, we got seven of them. I think the folks on the ground, the coalition partners like Equality Texas, Texas Freedom Network, ACLU, Lambda Legal, Transgender Education Network of Texas, Resource Center, all of these groups came together and went down. People were going down to testify multiple times, and we stopped, you know, all but seven. And the prior legislative session, we had about 78, and there were really four legislative sessions, and only one anti-LGBTQ bill passed. So it's, it's that work is critical, even though it feels like we go down there and we're not heard, but we are being heard because bills are not going into place. Well, a hundred and I can't even think of 144 different ways you can't discriminate against. Well, us. they weren't all different. <laughs> there were multiples of the same bill. Okay, gotcha. Right. So like, different people wrote the same similar bill attempt. Yes, gotcha. but okay. wrote different things. Okay. okay. All right. But several buckets, right? The buckets were. Mm -hmm. Trans athletes, mm. healthcare for trans kids. I'm going to call them censorship bans. All different types of versions, whether it was in libraries, public libraries, or in school systems, curriculum, um, making sure that if a kid counselor. So we got chaplain. We had a right. We've got a, a bill that that passed that allows chaplains to be school counselors now, mm -hmm. not uh. imams, not rabbis. But chaplains to be school counselors. Now, if you're an LGBTQ kid, do you think you're going to go to your chaplain and say, well, I'm thinking about whether or not I'm gay, and what is that chaplain going to say to you? you Isn't know? that discrimination on its, on its face, though, if you're not allowed to be an imam or a rabbi? Well, I mean, I think that's, that's just the way the language of the bill is written. I'm sure that an imam or a rabbi who's the equivalent of a chaplain, you know, because there is a... Um, a course that you a course of curriculum that you have to take in a certain number oh of did hours. they pass it with they passed that one yeah. oh okay mm. because there was one version of that bill where you needed absolutely no training right and that's um that's um, that's the one they passed right <laughs> wow. so but when you, it, says, it uses the word chaplain so it's a little ambiguous but are you i mean think about that and the, those counselors and chaplains now, if a kid comes to them and says, hey, I'm questioning who I am, whether it's my gender identity or my sexual orientation, that chaplain or counselor now has to go tell the parents that was not the case before. That's, now, what kind of counselor are they? Now, Patty you know? has her minister's license uh, uh, from the Church of the Internet, 
does she qualify to be a counselor? Um, you know, I, I think Patty make a great counselor. <laughs> I think I would too. Uh, she's been a Actually. good counselor to me over the years and a mentor, really. Oh, well, thank you. This is totally true. <laughs> totally true. But so that's one of them. So we have a, we have an athlete's bill ban for colleges and universities. We have the chaplain bill. We have a DE&I bill. We have a preemption bill. We have a gender-affirming health care bill. And then we also have a bill that looks at, it's, I'm going to call it a censorship bill that passed. So those are, those are basically the ones that passed. But the buckets that we saw in Texas are similar to what we've seen across the country. So it's athletes, health care, religious exemptions, not being able to provide services or benefits. To be um, able to refuse, refuse yeah. care and services. Yeah. But so here's going a good into one. Let, me, let me interrupt you for a minute. So no, a lot of people don't know this. So we want to talk about some cool things we could talk about is Lawrence versus Texas and Micah England. So let's come back to that. I'm just thinking of all this cool stuff to, to talk about. But 303 Creative, our opinion that we got out of the Supreme Court, we can talk about that. But what people don't know is that James White, a legislator, asked for an attorney general opinion with respect to whether or not private citizens could discriminate against LGBTQ people in providing goods and services prior to the 303 creative decision. I'll wrap this up and make it make, it make sense in a minute. So that AG opinion request is sitting out there. When the case went to 303 creative, went to the Supreme Court, the AG said, Oh, well, I'm not going to answer this and give you an opinion until I see what the Supreme Court of the United States does with respect to whether commercial entities open to the public can discriminate against LGBTQ people. And so that request is out there. Now we have the opinion out of the court in 303 Creative. If, if you would just remind people, what is the three? Well, I know yeah. what it is. What is the 303 so, Creative? Yeah, so 303 Creative is a case that went before the United States Supreme Court that was decided at the end of this last term in June that says that if you are a business open to the public, if you create, if what you're selling is a creative product or a creative service that's artistic, then you, if that product carries your message, then you can refuse to provide services to someone that does not, you don't agree with whomever they are. So for example, an LGBTQ couple, or maybe it's a, a black person and a white person who've gotten married. That business, open to the public, seeking to make a profit, if they provide expressive services, and we can go into this in more detail, then they don't have to serve that person. And this is the case that, that, that um, was, came out of a woman who created websites right. for weddings and but she didn't do weddings she, she didn't and she <laughs> she, she thought she, about she, doing she, weddings she was yeah. and she sued preemptively to avoid having to do this for a same-sex couple never even was even asked to do this for a same-sex couple C correct okay and, and so what the court said in the case and we can yeah, what the court said is, this woman said, I don't want to provide websites to same-sex couples because I believe marriages are between a man and a woman and that a same-sex marriage is false. It's against my beliefs. 
And the court, for the first time ever, for the first time ever in the last, for the first time ever, ever, <laughs> said a commercial business now does not have to serve people who might be covered by a non-discrimination law. So that could be someone living with a disability, which is what Justice Sotomayor said. So what if you have somebody that comes in and says, well, you've got two people who are living with disabilities and they're, they want to get married and have a kid. And they're not gay. And they're not gay. Could she refuse to provide them with a wedding website? Well, yes, she can. So they granted a constitutional right to discriminate in this case. Is, uh, is this only on marriage? No, it's it's across the board. So say this say this woman didn't you know say you. So for example, it, say you're a business that sells nothing but Ku Klux Klan T-shirts. Well, let's make this easier. Your business that you're a, a Jewish shop, you sell um, good goods that are Jewish-based religious goods, and you also do poetry, right? So if somebody comes into your, and you're open to the public, you're seeking to make a profit, somebody comes in and says, I want you to write a poem about whatever Jesus. it is. Yeah, Jesus, then she can say, no, I don't, I don't write poems about Jesus. But if you're a Christian and you come in and you, and you want a poem that's a message that she's willing to give, then you have to give it to everybody. So if I can make this, I'm making it more complicated than it needs to be. <laughs> but in essence, if you're a business that's open to the public, let's go back to one of the easy ones that the court decided a long time ago. Ollie's Barbecue, right? Barbecue joint in the South, they, what they were doing is they were serving their crafted special recipe barbecue to white people. White people could come in the front door get their barbecue but black folks they would they had to do takeout and they had to go get their food out of the back and what the court said in that case is you're open to the public if you're going to serve barbecue out the front door and people can come and sit down in your restaurant then you have to do that for everyone you can't single out one group because they're black or because they're a muslim or because in that case, there wasn't LGBT. Let me guess, this was not the current court that decided this. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and there's a, so there's a whole line of cases. So, and what the argument that the web designer made was she said, well, I'll serve LGBTQ people, but I'm just not going to, I'll put, I'll make a website form for anything else, but I'm not going to do a website for a same-sex marriage. And so think about that the court's saying well you don't have to do a website for a same-sex marriage so it's it's like say you're a photographer and a woman comes in and she wants to get a headshot because she's a brand new executive at some company you're open to the public you take pictures of women you do executive portfolio profile pictures for people and a woman comes in and says that's what i want and you say to her no I provide that to everyone, but I won't provide it to women because I don't think women should be, I think they should be at home. You can't do that. If you're going to provide a service, right. whatever it is, you have to provide it to everybody. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? No, no, not only does it make sense, it's a great example. Uh, it sounds absurd, but what they just did was is absurd. And she said, the website designer said, well, if I had a couple that came to me 
and they say pres presumably you have a, a couple who's living with disabilities and they want to get married and they want a website. She said, well, if it's against my religious beliefs, I'm not going to provide the website. Or if it's somebody who's been married five times and somebody who's been married twice, if that's against her religious beliefs, I'm not going to provide a website. So it really gave her, that's, that's the problem with the case, because now we're going to have to litigate every single one of those issues where you have a business that says, I don't want to provide this expressive service. Mm -hmm. So every flavor of bigotry can get litigated now. Pretty much. So say that particular kind of bigotry is okay. You know, that one's not okay. This one's okay. This one's okay. And we're just the first. And what's, so. what's the problem with that? The problem is, is when you say it's okay to discriminate against one group of people, then it transcends to everything else, whether it's housing, right. whether it's health care, whether it's whatever it may be. And that's why the Lawrence opinion was so critically important because what it did is it said we're not criminals anymore we're at the 20-year anniversary of uh -huh. Lawrence versus Texas mm -hmm. and when we became not criminals anymore was when then it allowed us to fully participate in society so are you going to allow everyone to fully participate in society or have or not and this is a business that's seeking to make money off of the public. Every other time the court has heard this, or something, one of those little slice of pieces, the court has said, absolutely not. You can't discriminate. You're open to the public. You're, that's your choice, to seek, to seek to make money in this way. So she, could, so she didn't provide any web, wedding websites, and she provided other websites and did it for everyone. Great, she can be in business. But you can't say, for example, you do, and this is a terrible example, but this is what you hear, you're a Ku Klux Klan shop, right? And you sell Ku Klux Klan t-shirts. So can only white people go in? No, you have to be, if you're gonna sell that t-shirt, you have to sell it to everybody, or whatever it may be. Right. So, going back, to, uh, circling, circling back around to the AG, who uh, who has not issued an opinion about can goods and services be withheld to LGBT people? Um, do you think at some point, some state, some judge will rule, and of course it'll get appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, but they will say, yeah, okay, yeah, you can't discriminate against people, uh, against LGBT people for simple goods and services, you know. Um, right, an you, example of that would be... Um, you can't come into my restaurant. Um, you can't come... Uh, you, it's I, alive I, and well in, in Mississippi right yeah, now. Yeah, but this is yeah. goods and services, so a store that sells Jewish Judaica... Uh, could say, no, we only want Jewish people in our store, even though they're open to the public. Right. 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 And so... Not that they would. <laughs> and, and that's the problem, right? I mean, the court has over and over and over again said that if... You, the, you can't discriminate. Right. If you're going to be... Yeah. So does she have to put up a sign or somehow get the word out that she's going to deny services Which the, the court part of the court's opinion says that she can put up that sign i will not i would i would want her to up, right um, own it put own it, it up there i do not serve lgbtq couples right so the problem with this ag opinion in our state is more likely than not we've already seen what our ags tend to do the ag is going to say yes 
private citizens have a right to discriminate, which goes to a private citizen that owns a business that's open to the public. Because businesses have religions. And business, oh, businesses yeah. are people. people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're probably going to see an opinion that says that. And then what are you going to see in rural areas across our state where it's already hard mm-hmm. to walk into a restaurant and get service if you're an LGBTQ person or if you're a black or brown LGBTQ mm-hmm. person or if you're living with a disability? It's then going to give those businesses in our state carte blanche to try. And right. then you're going to get it. Then you're going to start seeing the litigation. And so it's not unlike Dobbs. It's not unlike abortion. We've got, you know, for example, same-sex marriage. We've got you can't discriminate in the workplace. But now we're going to allow this piecemeal whittling away, whittling away, whittling away of rights per every little fact situation. For public accommodation. We and need I to take a to break. so bad, but I can give you hope when we come back. <laughs> we need to take a break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM, and we'll be back with more right after this. This is Rafael McDonald from Resource Center Dallas. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. And we're talking to Shelley Skeen. She's the Southwest Regional Director of Lambda Legal, and she's suing the pants off of everybody. But she said she has some hope for us. She's going to win. Yeah, I think I think the hope is is really you have you have so many groups coming together right now. You've got the NAACP, you've got Lambda Legal, you've got the ACLU, you've got uh, GLAD, you've got NCLR, all of the civil rights organizations who are watching what's happening across the country, not just with respect to LGBTQ issues. We've seen right critical race theory. We've seen just really an attempt to roll back all of the civil rights that we have, and they're coming together. And there are young people. I just went to a conference in um, Chicago with 200 young LGBTQ, black and brown, non-binary, transgender lawyers, and they are hot on fire, ready to say, I am here and I am queer, and I am not going to go away, and I deserve access to the rights that white people, white men, Catholic, you know, white men, Protestant men have. And we all suffer when any one of our rights are eroded. I mean, that's, that's like, if, if you don't know anything, that's what you, you've got to know. I mean, that's why we saw the ADA in 1993 Mm -hmm. but you have to have these civil rights movements to to push that forward and the young people are not going to stand for well it's been kind of a mantra of the civil rights movement every civil rights movement that you have to you have to protect it you have to stay vigilant you have to fight for it all the time it's not like oh it's over because we certainly know that with dobbs Mm mm-hmm you know, something that can be law of the land for 50 years can be, you know, in, in an instant withdrawn and you no longer have those rights. So we have to be very protective of of our rights um, all the time. Well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, 
piggyback on what Patty just said, there's been a lot of talk in the past couple of years, especially since um, Roe v. Wade was overturned. A lot of people in the, our community are afraid and they kind of expect for marriage equality rights to be re, uh, to be dialed back, to be reversed. From a, come a, from an attorney um, legal perspective, why do you think that would not happen? Because I've heard several attorneys say, no, that probably won't happen. What do you think? Well, I think I think there's a I think right now with our court, um, you know, there are groups like ADF Alliance Defending Freedom, um, Family Policy Alliance. They're more of a policy group, but they're they are trying to set that case up in individual states. Mm -hmm. We have a case pending before the Texas Supreme Court right now where Judge Diane Hensley, H-E-N-S-L-E-Y, and her first name is D-I-A-N-N-E, Hensley, who said, I'm not going to do a same-sex marriage. She's a justice of the peace out of Waco. Mm. Um, it's been in the, she got publicly reprimanded by the Judicial Conduct Commission. And they said, if you're going to do any, mar any marriages, you have to do all of them. Right. Or don't do any marriages. Or don't do them. Which is, which is what Tanya Parker did. Right. right. She decided if she couldn't marry, if she herself couldn't get married in her court, she wasn't going to marry anybody. Right. That was pre Obergefell. Pre Obergefell, oh, right. Because she did like one of the first, mm -hmm. <laughs> the first marriages in Dallas County thereafter. She, she told us she did. So, um, what was the thought? So you were talking about how uh, disjudges won't do uh, uh, same sex marriages. So, to make a long story short, it's percolated around in our federal courts up to the Fifth Circuit, and now it's in state court. And the issue is, could she be publicly reprimanded for doing that if it's against her, for saying, I'm not going to perform a same-sex marriage if it's against her religious beliefs? And so what she just did two days after the 303 creative opinion, her attorney is Jonathan Mitchell, who, if anybody, oh, yeah. former mm -hmm. solicitor general of the, of the Texas Supreme Court, author of SB8, and has run around the country trying to claim that laws that have been declared unconstitutional, like the same-sex marriage bans in Texas, are in some way valid because they've never been repealed by the legislature, and that's simply not true. If a law has been declared unconstitutional, it is void as if it's never been there. It was never there in the first place. So the right. Supreme Court doesn't declare a law sort of unconstitutional. <laughs> right. It's not a sort of. And so he... 2106 is, is still on the books. Yeah. And every session since 2003, well, I'd say 2005, um, there have been bills introduced to repeal it. And in the Texas Penal Code, it says in tiny little print with a, like an asterisk that says, by the way, this is unconstitutional. But they're, they're wasting. But they won't take it off. Yeah. They won't take it out. Exactly. But look what happened with Dobbs. They left all these abortion laws on the books. And therefore, when, when they, you know, did, clicked undo on Roe v. Wade, all these laws suddenly were there. They came back to life. No, not fully, but, but yes, a lot of, like, Texas had, had a new law that was waiting, that it passed a few sessions ago, that was waiting the minute that Roe v. Wade was overturned, it would go into effect six weeks or six months later. So it went mm -hmm. into effect, or three months later, went into effect in August. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that, that's, yes, what you're saying, that was one of the arguments, and then, but the, but it was not there, to, so it's, it, yeah, that was one of the arguments. But 
for Hensley, her attorney, Jonathan Mitchell, says, look, here's what we just saw come out of the United States Supreme Court in 303 Creative. This is another reason why she does not have to perform a same-sex marriage. But remember, she's a government official. Right. And as a government official, she takes an oath to uphold the laws of the state, the laws of the United States Constitution, and also the laws of, you know, the local laws. And so... And you have a choice. If you don't want to do those duties that you're running for office to do, don't run. Don't run. Nobody's forcing you to marry anybody. There's very, very conservative judges. There's a judge, Judge Easterbrook, out of the Seventh Circuit, who's super fair, very, very, very conservative. And he says, look, you know, I may not like it that I'm going to, that the law is going to require a police officer who's Catholic to go and guard an abortion clinic. This is an older case, but that's what the law says. You as a police officer can't use your religious beliefs in the ordinary course of your job to not go do your job because that's harmful, right? And so he said, I may not agree with that because I'm a Catholic guy, but that's what the law says I have to do and that's what I'm going to, how I'm going to rule. The police officer has to perform his job. So we'll see what happens with the Texas Supreme yeah, Court. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little jaded uh, with the Supreme Court. If, th- if this case actually makes it to the Supreme Court, I think they got a fair shot of winning. I, I, so I do too, but here's the, here's, the, here's the good news on that, the Respect for Marriage Act. So say Obergefell is overturned. We, Justice Thomas wants to overturn uh, substantive it, due process. I've been very clear about that. Right. Do um, we have any, like, gay billionaires that, you know, take him on a trip? <laughs> yeah. you know, so many go round and round in a yacht you know there's so many things we could say about that i'm <laughs> um, oh, sorry go ahead yeah, yeah. so um so if obergefell is overturned mm-hmm. and we've already seen not just thomas in dobbs but in the kim davis case the kentucky clerk who mm-hmm. didn't want to do marriage mm-hmm. That went up to the United States Supreme Court, and the court said, we're not going to hear it right now. But there were two dissents, Alito and Thomas, and they said very clearly, it's really short, the Supreme Court ruled wrong when it did Obergefell, and the only people that can fix it is us. And so if that's not a telegraph saying we did it wrong and we're going to overturn it given the opportunity, I Mm -hmm. think that's there. And we know that Alito has a lot of... He's writing a lot of the majority opinions right now and would have a majority on the on the bench. So if it's overruled, we have the Respect for Marriage Act. So what that says is if you've gotten married in any state or any jurisdiction foreign, then your marriage has to be recognized by every state, even if, if Obergefell is overturned, whether or not marriage licenses are granted will go back to the states. There were 13 states that did not allow same-sex marriage at the time of Obergefell, Texas included. So if it goes back to the states, but you've gotten married validly somewhere, and you come back to Texas, even if it goes back to the Texas and Texas says no same-sex marriage, you go someplace else, you come to Texas, you have to be recognized by the state as if you are married. What if you were married in Texas? It does. You're not automatically d- divorced, or d- your marriage is not dissolved. Right. You're you're still valid. You're validly married yeah. under the Respect for Marriage Act. But that's for that's for like extant marriages at the time. Like your grandfather in. Yeah. yeah. But what is what about future marriages? Right. You know, like like Aaron and I are married now, so we would be protected by the 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 
Marriage but, but, but Respect so, for Marriage Act. But, but, but what about... Let's say if you, you and Aaron uh, got a divorce and you wanted to marry a, no, a new woman, you wouldn't be able to. Not here in Texas. Not in Texas. But right. You but young people growing up now, they wouldn't be able to marry in Texas. Right. Not in Texas, but they could go someplace else. And have it like Massachusetts and come back to Texas. Texas and Texas say. has to treat them as a married couple under our law. Which is kind of what we... Okay. Well, I mean, I did that. <laughs> um, before Obergefell, so, um, but who, who wants to do that if you don't have to? Right. Well, you know, one of the well, things I'm did. hopeful about is, um, is it's fabulous destination. <laughs> is our our lawmakers in Texas and around the country, um, let's say, you know, the majority are Republican here in Texas, and they're joining their agenda, um, and we have Democrats in the Texas House and in the Texas Senate. Um, who are not entirely helpless when these things are going to pass, but I think have done a really, particularly this last session in Texas, have done a really good job of going going to the the floor in a very studied, prepared way, and laid out a case that forces the record to reflect the legislative intent of the bills, so that when they go to court and up the chain, we can look back. And they're asking very pointed questions. They've asked extremely pointed questions to get the, to box these guys in. Like, like, oh, so you want intersex kids to be able to get therapy and whatever they need medically, and their parents can make those decisions, but not trans kids. So uh, what you're saying is you're gonna cause harm to trans kids and getting them to concede these points and laying it out in the legislative intent of the bill, because it's in the record. They, they had a little help from Lambda Legal. And a ACLU. little. I, I bet they a, did. A whole, a, whole, a whole lot, because you want to create that good record so that you can come and challenge the law. So if you can show what, one of the things that you can do to create a good record is to show animus. Mm-hmm. That you are saying, in essence, I'm going to put a moral, you know, these people are moral and these people are not, or hate, right? Or so that's one of the ways Lambda, ACLU. I mean, we're writing the questions for the legislators, and we're saying, here's what here's what could happen. And what right? you want to do is like say, I got this point into the record, cross it off. Let's go to the next point. We got this point in the record, cross it off. And so it's there. So so when when it goes up the to court and it gets appealed and on up, all those judges, they're going to go back to that record, I assume, and they're going to follow motions and briefs that point them to that record about what's happening. So you've inserted into the record through appropriate channels and rules, this is done all the time, that solidly places it there before that process even began. Right. I mean, it's, in short, that's that's what we try to do, right, mm-hmm. is to create that good record. Well, the, in, in short, what you're doing is making the record that this bill was intended to discriminate. Correct. Mm-hmm. And in order for the other side to win a court case, they have to have a judge who's going to say, yes, you have the right to discriminate. That that was a, an intent that had some value or, or something. There, there's some old case, there's a case called Arlington versus Metropolitan something something anyway that talks about that. What is it that you need to show? And part of it is the statements made during a legislative hearing that can show that discriminatory intent. You have to show the intent and one way that you show it is by what happens 
what the historical background is by what is said on the record. Is this a, a, a marginalized group, a politically powerless group? And then are they being singled out for differential treatment? Is, is Right, because the one thing they didn't show was that denying the uh, health care is medically necessary. Right. Well, so. and so, so I would, for just kind of switching a little bit, go look at um, Justice Sotomayor's dissent in the 303 creative case. It's his best. It's, yeah, it's about 34 pages long, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a really good history of non-discrimination law in the context of businesses that are open to the public. And she gives great examples, and it's it's a it's a, anybody can read it. You don't have to be a lawyer, right? You just mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. Lawyers like to think that you know we like to use big words, but it's common sense. Stuff. I, I did look right. through it before. We're almost out of time, um, but before we go, the drag queen ban, sure. or the so-called drag queen ban, is going into effect September first, unless there's an injunction placed on that law. Um, explain what the drag queen ban will really entail. Okay, well, so you heard it here first. There's two cases, right? There's one that was filed by the Texas Civil Rights Project, I'll be quick, and one filed by the ACLU. The one filed by the ACLU is pending in the Houston Federal Court, and there's going to be a hearing, we just got this this week, on starting on August the 28th with respect to whether or not the law can be stopped and also the merits of the law. And what the law basically says, it's, it's very, very vague, and it says that if you're a drag performer, you can subject, be subject to criminal penalty. If you are a bar or a place of public accommodation, you can get a $10,000 fine. Um, and if you, so you, if you have somebody dressed up not in the sex they were assigned at birth, and they, they do certain things, including what's called sexual gesticulation. Nobody knows what that means. Um, but think Rocky Horror Picture Show. Think uh, Miley Cyrus on stage? Players. Yeah, football players dressing up as women and coming out in an assembly, and there being people under the age of 18. All of those things, Madonna, Beyonce, all of those things could be a violation of this law. So it's, it harms artistic expression, and it needs to be, it's unconstitutional, period. About some like it hot. Yeah. Wow. On a, on a Broadway stage. I mean, so some of the people that have sued in the two suits are theater companies and performers for that very reason. Mm -hmm. I bet. And, mm -hmm. and one of them is they're going to do a Rocky Horror Picture Show in October. You know, hello, it's, it's Halloween. Mm -hmm. And the question is, we've spent all this money and all this time. Can we do this now? Some Like It Hot is about to start its national tour. One of the yeah. biggest hits on Broadway hmm. uh, this past season. One of the most beloved films as well. Tootsie yep. was here this, uh, this summer. So, you know, that's artistic Delphire, expression. Right? Right. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> well, we are out of time. I want to thank you for. Uh, Always great to see you, Shelley. Oh, good to see you. Yeah, and congrats on. Me. Congrats on your your um, your promotion as well. Oh, thank you, thank you. Very I think much. that's awesome. We're, we're donate to Lambda. <laughs> <laughs> and next week our guests are from Blumenball, and AIM. <laughs>